But even so, begin you to grow upon me, I will physic your rightness, and yet give no thousand crowns neither. Hola, Dennis! Comes your worship? Was not Charles, the Duke's wrestler, here to speak with me? So please you, he's here at the door, and importune success to you. Call him in! Twill be a good way, and tomorrow the wrestling is... Good morrow to your worship. Good, Monsieur Charles. What's the new news at the new court? There's no news at the court, sir, but the old news. That is, the old duke is banished by his younger brother, the new duke, and three or four loving lords have put themselves into voluntary exile with him, whose lands and revenues enrich the new duke. Therefore, he gives them good leave to wander. Can you tell me if Rosalind, the duke's daughter, be banished with her father? Oh, no, for the Duke's daughter, her cousin, so loves her, being ever from their cradles bred together, that she would have followed her exile, or have died to stay behind her. She is at the court, and no less beloved of her uncle than his own daughter, and never two ladies loved as they do. Where will the old Duke live? They say he's already in the forest of Arden, and are many merry men with him, and there they live like the old Robin Hood of England. They say many young gentlemen flock to him every day and fleet the time carelessly as they did in the golden world. What? You wrestle tomorrow before the new duke? Marry, do I, sir. And I came to acquaint you with a matter. I am given, sir, secretly to understand that your younger brother, Orlando, hath a disposition to come in disguised against me to try a fall. Tomorrow, sir, I wrestle for my credit. And he that escapes me without some broken limb shall acquit him well. Your brother is but young and tender, and for your love I would be loath to foil him, as I must for my own honour if he come in. Therefore, out of my love to you, I came hither to acquaint you withal, that either you might stay him from his intendment, or brook such disgrace well as he shall run into, in that it is a thing of his own search, and altogether against my will. Charles, I thank thee for thy love to me, which thou shalt find I will most kindly requite. I had myself notice of my brother's purpose herein, and have by underhand means laboured to dissuade him from it. But he is resolute. I'll tell thee, Charles, it is the stubbornest young fellow of France, full of ambition, an envious emulator of every man's good parts, a secret and villainous contriver against me, his natural brother. Therefore use thy discretion, I had as lief thou didst break his neck as his finger. And thou wert best look to it, for if thou dost him any slight disgrace, or if he do not mightily grace himself on thee, he will practice against thee by poison, entrap thee by some treacherous device, and never leave thee till he hath ta'en thy life by some indirect means or other. For I assure thee, and almost with tears I speak it. There is not one so young and so villainous this day living. I speak but brotherly of him. But should I anatomize him to thee as he is, I must blush and weep, and thou must look pale and wonder. I am heartily glad I came hither to you. If he come tomorrow, I'll give him his payment. If ever he go alone again, I'll never wrestle for prize more. 
And so, go keep your worship. Farewell, good Charles. Now will I stir this gamester. I hope I shall see an end of him, for my soul, yet I know not why, hates nothing more than he. It is gentle, never schooled and yet learned, full of noble device, of all sorts enchantingly beloved, and indeed so much in the heart of the world, and especially of my own people who best know him, that I am altogether misprized. But it shall not be so long. This wrestler shall clear all. Nothing remains but that I kindle the boy thither, which now I'll go about. I pray thee, Rosalind, sweet my cousin, Mary. Yes. Celia, I show more mirth than I am mistress of, and would you yet I were merrier? Unless you could teach me to forget a banished father, you must not learn me to remember any extraordinary pleasure. Herein I see thou lovest me not with the full weight that I love thee. If my uncle, thy banished father, had banished thy uncle, the duke, my father, so thou hadst been still with me, I could have taught my love to take thy father for mine. So wouldst thou, if the truth of thy love to me were so righteously tempered as mine is to thee. Well, I will forget the condition of my estate to rejoice in yours. You know my father hath no child, but I, nor none is like to have. And truly, when he dies, thou shalt be his heir. For what he hath taken away from thy father perforce, I will render thee again an affection. By mine honor I will. And if I break mine oath, let me turn monster. <laughs> Therefore, my sweet rose, my dear rose, be merry. From henceforth I will touch and devise sports. Let me see. What think you... Of falling in love. Marry, I prithee do to make sport withal, but love no man in good earnest, nor no further in sport neither, than with safety of a pure blush thou mayst in honour come off again. What should be our sport then? Let us sit and mock the good housewife fortune from her wheel, that her gifts may henceforth be bestowed equally. I would we could do so, for her benefits are mightily misplaced, and the bountiful blind woman doth most mistaken her gifts. Women. Tis true, for those that she makes fair, she scarce makes honest, and those that she makes honest, she makes very old favourite. Nay, neither goes from fortune's office to nature's. Fortune reigns in the gifts of the world, and not in the lineaments of nature. No! When nature hath made a fair creature, may she not by fortune fall into the fire? Though nature hath given us a wit to flout at fortune, and not fortune sent in this fool to cut off the argument. Indeed, there is fortune too hard for nature when fortune makes nature's natural, the cutter off of nature's wit. Peradventure, this is not fortune's work neither, but nature's, who perceiveth our natural wits too dull to reason of such goddesses, and hath sent this natural for our western, for always the dullness of the fool is the western of the wit. How now, wit, whither wander you? Mistress, you must come away to your father. Were you made the messenger? No, by mine honour. But I was bid to come for you. Well, aren't you that, old fool? Of a certain knight that swore by his honour they were good pancakes. And swore by his honour the mustard was naught. Now I'll stand to it. The pancakes were naught and the mustard was good. And yet was not the knight forsworn. How prove you that in the great heap of your knowledge? I marry now and muscle your wisdom. Stand you both forth now. Stroke your chins and swear by your beard that I'm a knave. <laughs> by our beards, if we had them, thou art. By my knavery, if I had it, then I wear. 
But if you swear by that that is not, you are not forsworn. No more was this knight swearing by his honor, for he never had any. Or if he had, he had sworn it away before ever he saw those pancakes or that mustard. That's pretty. Who is it that I'm being? One that old Frederick, your father, loved. My father's love is enough to honor him enough. Speak no more of him. You'll be whipped for taxation one of these days. More pity that fools may not speak wisely what wise men do foolishly. By my trust, I say it's true. For since the little wit that fools have was silenced, the little foolery that wise men have makes a great show. Well, here comes Monsieur Lebeau with his mouth full of news. <laughs> she will put on us as pigeons feed their young. Then shall we be news crammed? All the better we shall be the more marketable. Bonjour, Monsieur Lebeau, what's the news? Fair princess, you have lost much good sport. Sport? Of what colour? What colour, madame? How shall I answer you? As wit and fortune will. Or as the destiny's decree. Well said, that was laid on with a trowel. Nay, if I keep up my rank. Thou losest thy old smell. <laughs> you amaze me, ladies. I would have told you of good wrestling, which you have lost the sight of. Yet tell us the manner of the wrestling. I will tell you the beginning. And if it please your ladyships, you may see the end, for the best is yet to do. And here, where you are, they are coming to perform it. Well, the beginning that is dead and buried. There comes an old man and his three sons. Oh, I could match this beginning with an old tale. Three proper young men of excellent growth and presence. The skills on their necks be it known unto all men by his presence. <laughs> the eldest of the three wrestled with Charles, the Duke's wrestler, which Charles, in a moment, threw him and broke three of his ribs, that there is little hope of life in him. So he served the second. And so the third. Yonder they lie, the poor old man, their father, making such pitiful dole over them that all the beholders take his part with weeping. Alas! But what is the sport, monsieur, that the ladies have lost? Aye, this that I speak of. Thus men may grow wiser every day. It is the first time that ever I heard of breaking of ribs for sport for ladies. For I, I promise thee. But is there any else longs to see this broken music in his sides? Is there yet another dotes upon rib-breaking? Shall we see the wrestling, cousin? You must if you stay here, for here is the place appointed for the wrestling, and they are ready to perform it. Yonder, sure, they're coming. Let's not stay and see it. <laughs> Come on, since the youth will not be entreated, his own peril on his forwardness. It's yonder the man. Even he, madam. Alas, he's too young, yet he looks successfully. How now, daughter and cousin? Are you crept hither to see the wrestling? I, my liege, so please you give us leave. Mm, you will take little delight in it, I can tell you. There are such odds in the man. In pity of the challenger's youth, I would fain dissuade him, but he will not be entreated. Speak to him, ladies. See if you can move him. Call him hither, good Monsieur Lebeau. Do so. I'll not be by. Monsieur the challenger, the princess calls for you. I attend them with all respect and duty. Young man, have you challenged Charles the wrestler? No, fair princess. He is the general challenger. I come but in as others do to try with him the strength of my youth. Young gentleman, your spirits are too bold for your years. You have seen cruel proof of this man's strength. If you saw yourself with your eyes, or knew yourself with your judgment, the fear of your adventure would counsel you to a more equal enterprise. We pray you, for your own sake, to embrace your own safety and give over this attempt. Do, young sir, your reputation shall not therefore be misprized. We will make it our suit to the Duke, that the wrestling might not go forward. Oh, I beseech you, 
punish me not with your hard thoughts, wherein I confess me much guilty to deny so fair and excellent ladies anything. But let your fair eyes and gentle wishes go with me to my trial, wherein, if I be foiled, there is but one shame that was never gracious. If killed, one dead that is willing to be so. I should do my friends no wrong, for I have none to lament me. The world no injury, for in it I have nothing. Only in the world I fill up a place which may be better supplied when I have made it empty. The little strength that I have, I would it were with you. And mine to eke out hers. Farewell. Pray heaven I be deceived in you. Your heart's desires be with you. Come, where is this young gallant that is so desirous to lie with his mother earth? <laughs> Ready, sir? But his will hath in it a more modest working. You shall try but one more. No, I warrant you, Grace. You shall not entreat him to a second that have so mightily persuaded him from a first. <laughs> you mean to mock me after you should not have mocked me before. But come your ways. Oh, Hercules, be thy speed, young man! Would I were invisible to touch a strong fellow by the leg? Oh, excellent young man! If I had a thunderbolt in mine eye, I can tell who should die. No more! No more! Yes, I beseech your grace. I'm not yet well breathed. How dost thou, Charles? Uh, he cannot speak, my lord. Bear him away. What is thy name, young man? Orlando, my leash. The youngest son of Sir Roland de Bois. Mm. I would thou hadst been son to some man else. The world esteemed thy father honorable, but I did find him still mine enemy. Thou shouldst have better pleased me with this deed, hadst thou descended from another house. But fare thee well, thou art a gallant youth. I would thou hadst told me of another father. Were I my father, cuz, would I do this? I am more proud to be Sir Roland's son, his youngest son, and would not change that calling to be adopted heir to Frederick. My father loved Sir Roland as his soul, and all the world was of my father's mind. Had I before known this young man, his son, I should have given him tears unto entreaties that he should thus have ventured. Gentle cousin, let us go thank him and encourage